Today, we're actually ending, we're actually finishing a series called God Cares More About Your Money Than You Do. And in case you've been here the last few weeks and you thought, oh, good Lord, when's Matt going to stop talking about money? Good news. Today. I'm going to stop talking about it today. It's the last day of this series. And I usually, by the third week of talking about something, I don't really feel the need to give all the disclaimers that I gave the first you know, week or so that I was talking about stuff. But to be honest, there's always new families. There's already new, always new people coming uh, to our services. So I, I'll just give you a couple quick ones, okay? As a church, when we talk about money, when we talk about uh, anything in terms of the discipline of giving or anything like that, uh, we make sure you know very clearly what we're talking about. We try to keep everything really clear. We're not trying to bait and switch you. There is no special offerings. I'm not trying to manipulate anything. No KFC buckets will appear today, okay? I just want you to know that nothing's going to happen in that way. We really do believe that when it comes to your spiritual growth, when it comes to your growth in life, that this is a keystone discipline, that if you get this right, other things just fall in line. Other things, you know, sort of become right and get right in your life. It's one of those things that you just can't ignore. And that's kind of where we're talking about it in this series is that, you know, it's kind of like when you work out, it's leg day, right? Nobody likes leg day when you work out. Obviously, I work out all the time, as you can tell, right? But it's leg day, right? It's one of those things where, you know, you, you want to work, you really want the shape everywhere else. But if you don't focus on it, the body's a whole, like there's just a way the body works. And, and every person that trains you will tell you, you can't ignore leg day. Well, it spiritually works the same way. Okay, this is a spiritual discipline that you just can't ignore. So we gave you some stats the first week, just in terms of why we make that statement that God does care more about your money than maybe you, you, you or I do. And I gave you a couple stats. I'll give you a couple different ones today. Uh, in the Gospels, just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, Jesus himself speaks about and uses money and talks about money and the leverage of money uh, more than he talks about eternity in terms of heaven or hell, in terms of speaking very specifically about eternity in heaven or hell, he talks about money more than that. Matter of fact, over a little over 40% of the, of the parables, which is the stories he told to make illustrations, over 40% of the parables were about and using money as the example. And so uh, we're going to give you a few of those parables, and we're going to talk about those parables uh, today. So he does care more. But the question that we started with is simply why. That's the purpose of this series, is to answer the why question. Now, I'll go ahead and give you right up front the why that we've been talking about uh, for the series. I'll give you the couple, couple things from the first few. I can't really review everything. We talked about the first week and said money's a matter of the heart, okay? Really, it doesn't matter how much money you make. This is a universal, we're talking about the universal principles of God. We're not talking about a Western church Americanized thing. It's, it's, it applies to everyone everywhere for all time. 80% of the world makes less than $10 a day. And everything we're talking about applies to them. We're the exception in terms of our excess. We're the exception to that illustration or to that example in the world because we, we just have so much more. But it really doesn't matter how much we have. Everything's emotional. Money is tied to our heart. Money is tied to the seat of our emotions. And so it's a heart issue. And we talked the first week about the fact that money is really a much better servant and tool than it is a master. Right? It's a much better servant tool than master. Listen, it, we, we are all tempted to make money our ultimate pursuit or our ultimate concern. But at the end of the day, it's not supposed to be our ultimate con con uh, pursuit or ultimate concern because it's not meant to be our ultimate anything. Right? Money is a servant. Money is a tool. Guess what? Money will go where you send it. 
okay? Money will go to a third car or it'll go to a well in Africa. You're the one in charge of that. You understand? It depends on who you're serving. And he goes on to say, you can't have more than one master, right? You, you just can't. That's just the way it works. You'll serve God or you'll serve money, which money actually is you. That's, that's what it represents. And so we said the overall big picture, big picture of why it is that God cares so much about this conversation is because he wants to bless us to bless others, okay? Now, I shared the last two weeks specifically about why this, uh, this language matters, because I'm using the language as I feel like the Bible uses the word blessing. There is a pretty big difference in the teaching that we hear nowadays, especially, again, in the Western kind of Americanized church, about what it is that you're a child of the king and that you should be prosperous and you should be living in the seat of prosperity, Right? That's sometimes the message that comes in a prosperity-driven kind of gospel versus the fact that you do, you do serve a God, you do follow a God who wants you to prosper. He wants you to grow. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to succeed, right? So there is a big difference there, especially in terms of what we think that word means. So sometimes when you hear the word blessing, it sometimes gets a little confusing, but I'm using it specifically the way I believe that the best example is just all throughout scripture, when you see the word bless, blessing, bless life, whatever it may be, I pulled out two words to help us kind of put some handles on what I've, I've used it last week in an example. But the two words that I really feel like uh, represent blessed the best is enough and plenty. Let's read that out loud together. Okay, these two words. Blessed really means what? Enough and plenty. Let's do it one more time. Blessed is what? Enough and plenty. What that means is regardless of whether it's salvation, grace, uh, you know, friendships, relationships, care, you know, God wants to provide enough and plenty. His, his goal for us is to experience this blessing as we follow him, no matter what that looks like. And so last week we talked about the financial system that, that kind of walked through how it was supposed to work out financially and in terms of God's people and even today. And we talked about the fact that, look, that, that enough is really supposed to be a satisfaction, right? A satisfaction, a, a peace, a contentment, a, a lacking nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's what blessing really is supposed to be, this, this enough. We're not supposed to have little holes in our spiritual heart that we got to work with our efforts and our behavior modification and our work to get more and more and more of God. He's given us all that we need. He has poured himself out for us. There is enough there. But we do get to experience more because we don't just get enough, we get plenty, which is more than enough, which is abundance, which is overflowing, right? My cup overflows. That's, that's what blessing means. It's not just enough. It's enough and plenty, but there's a purpose. That purpose of that plenty was plenty to share, which is why God wants to bless us too with a purpose, bless others, we spent all last week talking about this system. You'll have to go back and listen to it if you're really interested in hearing about from Genesis to Revelation how this thing was supposed to work. Today, today specifically, I want to talk about really the reason that most of us do not get to experience the blessed life that he's promised us, why it is that we don't necessarily follow his principles and instructions and ideals when it comes to how we handle our money, when it comes to giving, how would we respond back to God in giving? I really believe this is one of the major hurdles that every single one of us face to some degree or another. And for many, it's the reason you've never engaged in this spiritual discipline. Never really, again, got, got a chance to even walk into the promise. 
of the blessing that God has for you. And so in contrast to the blessed life, I want to talk about the comparison trap. The comparison trap is something, again, comparison is just this idea of looking to my left and looking to my right and comparing those two with me. That's the comparison. But the comparison trap, the goal of the comparison trap in our lives is the ultimate goal is so that we would remain in a state of discontentment. We would, we would be so focused and fixed on what we do not have versus what we do have. We would be so focused and fixed on what we haven't been given versus what we have been given. And, and it will fuel or really even ignite appetites in us that are in areas where we lack discipline or in areas where we just hold certain things in higher value than others. Which is why your comparison trap is different than mine. Your, your issue, what you hold in higher value, what you lack in discipline, in areas where you are discontent might be different than mine. And one of the reasons, that I, I mean, I, again, I was thinking, I was telling everybody on, the, on the, face, uh, the Facebook Live this week, is that this part of the message in this series, uh, I really feel like God laid it on my heart a couple months ago, and it just kind of kept bugging me and bugging me, and, and it was like, Matt, I really want you to talk about this, but I'll be honest, I've never spoken about this in this way before, so I really struggled, because personally, I struggle with this. I struggle with my own version of the comparison trap, and, and, and I wanted to, to say, okay, God, you got to fix this in me first. He said no, and so he just gave me, I feel like he gave me some, a, a path that we can all walk on together, okay, when it comes to comparison, but one of the things that popped up in my mind as one of the issues that we all face, and some, to some degree, is because of social media. Right? Now, as you know me, I'm, I'm a big fan of technology. I'm a huge fan of using and leveraging social media in my life. I'm, I'm never going to say anything necessarily bad about it by itself. But the reality is that because of social media, because of Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and, you know, and, and, and Twitter and all that, we now have a filtered window into a lot more people's lives than we've ever had before. And the comparison trap that we find ourselves in ends up happening a lot more often than we would probably like to admit. So I'm not going to make you admit anything today. You can sit there with your arms crossed and just say, Matt, you're crazy. But I'm going to go ahead and spend some time just confessing to you, okay? I'm going to use myself as an example. I've taken a few pictures that came up in my Instagram feed over the past couple weeks. And I am going to verbally, out loud, state some of the things that I was thinking as well as I know you probably are thinking as well. All right? So you can have fun. This is, this is at my expense. You can chuckle and giggle and laugh because it's, it's too painful to laugh at yourself. So you just laugh at me. Okay? So here's, here's just a few examples. This past week, I was online, got on Instagram, saw one of my friends post, well, you know, hello from Daytona. And I thought, you know, you suck. Because I'm not in Daytona. And I would like to be in Daytona. And I would like to be at the beach right now. And I'm not, right? A couple weeks ago, I had a friend over the last two weeks who's traveling. Uh, he's in London right now. He, uh, he lives in D.C. He's in London. He's been traveling for work and, uh, you know, doing some presentations over there. And as I began to see some of the pictures come through, I was like, ah, that's great. That's really cool. And all I could think of was, you know, I chose the wrong profession, you know? I'm never going to get invited to London for what I do at Journey Church. It's never going to happen. So i got to live through, through him. 
This is another friend who was celebrating a birthday and with some friends, and uh, the, she's actually in the San Diego Bay uh, over on the West Coast. She's in the San Diego Bay, and she's going to go. Uh, that was the yacht, her friend's yacht that uh, she was going out in to spend the day and celebrate some birthdays. And I, I saw this, and I thought, that's amazing. I'd love to go to San Diego one day. But my honest thought was, I need more f- better friends, really. Because um, I don't know anyone. None of my friends have yachts in the San Diego Bay. Uh, I'm on a little bit of a, of a disciplined eating kind of thing right now where I'm trying to watch what I eat a little bit. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I saw this show up one night and I thought, I don't like this person for posting that, talking about their dessert and how, how much good it was. This is heaven to me. Okay, the cookie, the ice cream, the whipped cream, the, the chocolate. I love every inch of everything that's here. And I'm still upset about this picture, like today. You keep going, I have a friend who bought a truck and uh, they'd say, you know, he's been looking for a truck for a while. He purchased a truck, bought, took some pictures of it. I said, oh, it's great. That's a nice truck. That's great. And a whole time, all I could think of was how geriatrically horrible my two cars currently are, how old, and, and like they're all falling apart. I wouldn't be surprised if I left today and half of it fell off the car, okay? Um, that's the way I felt when I'm looking at this picture and going, well, I just don't know if that's even in my future possible to have a truck like that. Keep going again. A friend of mine uh, up north, he redid some stuff in his house and put this beautiful barn door. Very, very cool, right? My living room will never be this cool. I want you to know that right now. It will never be this cool. And you know what the thing I hate is I've seen some other pictures before. I don't think that door is actually covering anything. (laughs) I think it's just hung there. And I'll spare you the other thoughts that I had in that moment. This is a friend of mine who owns a gym down in Georgia. And, uh, and I've just, I've, I've been doing really well the last month, really, last few weeks. I've been at the gym almost every day. Uh, I joined over here at Planet Fitness, been really enjoying it. And I see this post and I think, I will never look like that guy right there. Like never, never, not even as hard as I try. So then I go back and I take a closer look at the cookie. Because <laughs> I probably should just go ahead and eat the cookie. Now, that may not be you, okay? None of, none of those things may be thoughts that you have. None of those things may be things that you, you personally uh, struggle with, right? But if you're honest, you have your own thoughts as you scroll through your social media. You have your own thoughts when you visit friends. You have your own thoughts. You have your own vices. You have the, there's the perfect mom with the perfect kids living their perfect life. It could be jobs. It could be career. It could be success. It could be people's vacations. But all of us, I'm just telling you, all of us suffer from the comparison trap in one way, shape, or form. And so again, social media, I don't think social media is going anywhere. I don't think we've peaked. I don't think the next move is to, you know, we're going to be back to farms and churning butter. Like, I don't think that's going to happen with ravens. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to continue to move towards sort of an instant demand, hyper-connected society. So we can't blame social media for this. This is a problem that we have, and we have to deal with the problem. Okay, we have to deal with the problem. Social media is not the problem. You can use social media as a tool and leverage social media. I'm just sharing how it sometimes can affect us. But honestly, if you, just like me right now, if you were to go through your feed and verbalize some of the things that you're thinking and verbalize some of the things out loud and your spouse heard you, they would make you cancel that social media account, right? Because it's very damaging. It's not doing us any good, right? If we actually heard some of the things we said out loud, if we actually verbalized that and brought it into the light, we would see how ugly our heart was becoming and how that comparison trap is doing damage to us. 
We would unfriend them or unfollow them. But the reality is, is that we don't because it's a trap. It's called the comparison trap for a reason because it's something that perpetuates itself. It builds on itself. You will constantly be comparing and constantly looking. Once you start looking to the left and the right, you're going to continue to look to the left and to the right to see how you're doing, to see how you feel about you. Now, Jesus, um, before we get to the scripture, I'll, I'll, I'll share three more things. This is really, I just wanted to share these things because I feel like sometimes we look to the left and the right for comparison, but sometimes it's really hard because sometimes you can get caught in a comparison trap just by yourself in terms of your past self, your current self, and your future self. And here's the reason that it's really a problem, okay, in terms of comparison. The problem is that everything changes. Our satisfaction changes. Our security, what makes us feel safe, changes. And our idea of success changes, right? I mean, think about satisfaction, comfort. Think about all the things that when you were in your 20s, you thought you would want to have one day in your life. And now in your 30s and 40s, you've not only had them, you've had them and passed them, and you're still not fully satisfied with where you are in your life, right? I mean, you thought, I mean, at one time, your, your little house with your six-foot ceilings, you moved to that house with those eight-foot ceilings until you went to visit your friend who had 12-foot ceilings, right? And then you walked back into your home with eight-foot ceilings, kind of like with your neck crook like this. And you're just like, I don't even know how I can breathe in this space. Why? Because our comfort, our satisfaction in things changes over time. Versus our past, you, our current, you, and your future, you. Our security needs change, right? At one time, listen, $50 in the bank left over after the week, you were rich, right? Now, you struggle because there's not $500 in the bank as a cushion. You might struggle because there's not $5,000 in the bank as a cushion for your life, and that, that brings out a fear in you and a, and a security issue in you that all of a sudden you realize, look, just one thing could go wrong. You know, one thing could go, and we're out on the street. And that's uh, Seriously. You know, you, you, as a kid, man, you would have you drove across America with anything with four wheels and an engine, right? But now you can't have a car with over 100,000 miles on it because you're in danger, right? You're, I mean, listen, there's people that struggle because security changes. Our safety and security changes. Our, our idea of success changes. At one time, I was in the funeral home. I, just, I was in the funeral business. At uh, one time, I went from working a, 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 you know, kind of a commission sales thing that wasn't making any money at all, and I got a full-time job with the funeral home. And at that time, listen, at that time, I was getting ready to make like $26,000 a year plus overtime. What? It was amazing, okay? Now, I have far surpassed that in my life. But there's always something more. There's always something more. You know, your dream of making $40,000 a year one year and you think all your problems will be solved, I'm telling you, you can go to double that at some point in your life and you will still think there's more success to be had. Well, now I'm the manager, but I really need to be the regional manager. See, all these things change. And so even if it's not fully to the left and to the right in terms of comparing yourself to other people, you yourself will compare yourself to where you've been, where you are, and where you want to be. And the problem with all of that comparison is everything's going to change. And the goal, remember, the goal of the comparison trap is to keep you in a state of discontentment. To get your eyes focused on what you do not have versus what you do have. So Jesus goes to address, not specifically the comparison issue, but, but some of the same core issues that we struggle with. 
This is not one of the more popular parables. You know, a lot of people go to the parable of the talents, you know, or they go to the parables of, of some other, you know, for in terms of talking about money and stewardship. There's a couple more parables that are a little more popular. This one's not as popular. It's a little shorter, and it kind of gets right to the heart of things really quickly. But it really works well today in light of what we are talking about. So Jesus is teaching. This is going to be in Luke uh, chapter 12, if you want to look in your, your Bible. But G, uh, Jesus is teaching, and in the middle of his teaching, Luke puts this, put it this way for us. In the middle of his teaching, it says, Someone then called out from the crowd and said, Teacher, Rabbi, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. You could tell by this statement that there's probably some contention going on, that <clears throat> the brother is not doing what he's supposed to be doing, and there's stuff that, you know, he's keeping that should be his. And, hey, Jesus, Rabbi, t- tell, you tell him to, to do what he's supposed to do. And Jesus actually replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Well, Jesus is, you know, he could decide that, but he, he, he's playing into this guy's actual question. He says, hey, who am I to tell your brother? Who am I to tell you those things? But then he says this, Beware. Beware. Be on guard, and I love this phrase, be on guard against every kind of greed. Meaning that greed can seep in in a lot of different areas. And then he makes this statement, and I want us to all read the sentence out loud together, okay? Let's read it out loud. Life is not measured by how much you own. Oh, let's just read that one more time, okay? One more time. Let's read it. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, any day of the week, you could hear this phrase, you could see a meme in your social feed, and, and on the surface, you would immediately say, that's true. Here's the problem. Jesus is making a statement that is true, but just like it was for the people in his day, and just like it is for us today, we do not actually live like that's true. We do not live in such a way that actually says that that statement is true. Why? Because especially in the North Charlotte, Lake Norman area, let me tell you something. Those who have little and who own little are certainly measured and compared to those who have much and who own much. That's the culture we live in. And it does nothing but continue to breed the comparison culture that every single one of us gets stuck in. So we may say on the surface, no, that's true, but we simply don't live that way. We don't live that way. But Jesus is going to say, that's why you need to beware. That's why you need to be on guard. Because I'm going to state a truth to you and then tell you a story that you are going to struggle with because you don't actually live like that's actually true. And here's the story. Here's the parable that Jesus then gives to explain this to, uh, to uh, this guy. This goes on in Luke 16. He says, he tells a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, self, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. I don't have room for it. He says, then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And then I'll sit back I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, self, my friend, you have enough food, you have enough stored away for many years to come. Now take it, what's the word? Easy. Eagles, right? All right? Take it easy. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Everyone listening to Jesus tell the story would have been like nodding their heads. 
Absolutely. That's the solution. This guy had an amazing, he had a record epic year. He can't even store it all. Well, what does he do? Well, he tears it down to build new barns, and then he'll be able to store it up and have it saved for the future. He's, that's a good retirement plan, man. Dave Ramsey would be all over that, right? And yet, Jesus in this story says that God responds and says, you, what's the word? Fool. Let me give you the amplified biblical version of that. You naive, ignorant, small-minded, short-sighted, foolish man. That's God's response to that solution. Why? Jesus goes on to say, you will die this very night. You don't have tomorrow promised to you. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Who's going to get it? Then he goes on to say, that's how it is. Okay, this is, the, this is the summary sentence that Jesus says at this whole parable. Guess what? That's what it is. That's what it's like. That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself but is not rich towards God. Who does not have that rich relationship with God. Who does not follow God. That's really the heart of this. Who doesn't choose to follow in God's path, God's principles, God's ideals. It's just storing it up for you. It's just accumulating for you. And Jesus is like, who gets it? Like, you're not promised tomorrow. Who gets all of this stuff you worked so hard for? I can tell you who gets it. Okay, in our context, it's the yard sale, and someone else is going to get it to feed their comparison problem, right? They just feel better about it because they got a deal on it, because you're dead, right? And here is Jesus saying, look, bottom line, bottom line for Jesus is like, I need you to understand that when I make that statement, that is true. There is still something in all of us that when we are blessed, we don't really see it. We don't really understand it. We don't really acknowledge it. As a matter of fact, all we're thinking, continuing to think about is how it benefits us and how it benefits us and how it can accumulate for us. And here's this guy, gonna, I'm going to tear it down. And we don't get crops, right? We don't get crops, but we get cars, right? We understand cars. We don't understand crops. We understand cars. And we've had a Man, we've had a stellar year at work, and we've had a great year. And you know, you know those cars that fit, say they have a two-car garage, they don't really fit two cars. They really only fit one car, let's be honest, right? So maybe we should find a place that can fit our other car and maybe a carport for the third car that we can now uh, get to pull the boat. And the boat we have, honestly, like we should find a better place. We had a good tax return. Let's find a better place for the boat so it can be stored. Uh, it could be stored inside instead of being stored outside because it's a big investment. We want to, you know, take care of it. We want to be good stewards, you know. You know, we have two living rooms in our house, but honestly, I need a den or like a man cave. That would be really the thing that I, I feel like would make life better. If we could just find a house, maybe with a basement. With a full basement, that would be great. Let's, let's upsize there. The kitchen really isn't big enough to function anymore. All the kids are bigger. All, everything's changing. I can't meal prep you know, for the two weeks that I have in this kitchen the way it is. Maybe we should, you know, we had a good, again, we had a great, a great sales month. Let's redo the kitchen. You know, maybe we can get one of those pantries where you got to actually go into them and turn around. And maybe, just maybe, after the mountain place or the beach house or maybe both, and we've remortgaged things, and we've reworked things to a reasonable amount, well, then maybe, just maybe, I'll be able to relax. I'll be able to take a vacation. I'll be able to enjoy. I'll be able to slow down. Maybe even 
retire. See, we don't get crops, but we get that. And that may not be your story. Let me understand. That may not be your story, but it doesn't mean that you don't want it to be your story, right? That may not be your story, but it doesn't mean you don't want it to be. It doesn't mean that that's not the thing that you're flipping through social media, comparing yourself to the people who that is, their story. When Jesus says, you fool, God says, you foolish person. He really is just trying to help them understand that it's not what you have, right? It's not what you have. What you have is less important than what you do with what you have. Like what you've accumulated, what you've gathered, what you've been blessed with is a whole lot less important in the scope of things than what it is you're doing with what you have. And then Luke goes on as Jesus, as he records Jesus' story, and he says that he goes from this story into the story we read in week one, where he said, you know, look at the lilies of the field, look at the birds of the air. Why in the world would you worry about everyday life? Seek first, put above all else the kingdom of God. And then later on, Jesus would then give the, 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 the uh, parable of the talents, you know, to one servant he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. And they all began to use it and leverage it and, 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 and double their money and, and, and double their investments, except for the one who buried what he had. The whole time, Jesus is helping them understand from this, like, look, guys, it doesn't matter how much you have. It matters what you're doing with what you have. That's what matters. But here's where, again, I came back to the issue with the comparison in our lives is that most of us, most of us, if we're just being honest, we don't do very much with what we have because we are so focused on what we do not have yet. And this is the problem. This is the reason we don't give. This is the reason that people ask for, for help on mission trips, but we don't have anything to give them. This is the reason we don't tie. This is the reason we're not very generous with our time and our energy and our efforts and our funds. Is because when we falsely, right, how we falsely measure our current blessing, it determines our measure of generosity. How we falsely see where we are right now has a direct impact on the fact that you will not be generous. You can't be. Why? Because God hasn't given you enough yet. That's why. You, you, you falsely measure where you are, and therefore, you, you, you know, you, it doesn't matter how many scriptures I read. It doesn't matter how many sermon series we do. It doesn't matter people in your life group as they get examples after examples of God's provision. It doesn't matter because in your life, as you compare and you look to the left and you look to the right and you decide what you don't have, you will not give any of it away because we falsely measure our blessing. Now, it's a very interesting thing that happens when we go on our journey go trips. Very interesting thing that happens. We have people that will go on journey go trips and they will raise funds and they will pay sometimes out of their pocket to go and be a part of an experience that they've never been a part of before. And they will go to Peru and they will go to Kenya and they will go to the to ASP into the into the hollers, right, of West Virginia. That's where they are, the hollers. That's what I've been told anyway. And they will go to Haiti. And you know what happens when they go? Listen, 
inevitably, inevitably, at some point during their trip, they are overwhelmed with the desire to give their money to the people that are there. You want to know why? Because they spent their entire year falsely measuring the blessing that they currently live in by comparing it to everyone else. But the moment they go there, under the same lens, they see how blessed they actually are. And there's this overwhelming, overwhelming desire to take what they have and give it away. How we measure our blessing directly impacts, determines the measure of our generosity. And listen, this is, not a, this is not news to God. This is not news to Jesus. Jesus was, again, we read some scripture last week. I'll read another one today. But Jesus was constantly reminding them and reminding us, there's a system that works. There's a system that's in place. There's a, a sowing and a reaping that just exists. You don't have to work towards it. This is not the blessing of God because I, I like you better, so I'm going to show favor to you versus you. Like sometimes people talk about blessing. Jesus says, no, no, no. Earlier on in Luke 6, he says, this is how it works. There's a system already at work if you would just engage it. In Luke 6, he says this. He says, don't judge others and you will not be judged. He's actually giving several examples of this system. Do not condemn others or it will come back to you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. And then he says, give. Give and you will receive. And then he uses these words, your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for, what's the word? More. Running over and poured into your lap. What's that, a, what's that an example of? Yeah, enough and plenty. That's what he's saying. Your gift will return to you enough and plenty to share. And he goes on to say, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back in all those areas. Why? Because there's a system that God created. And he wanted all of his children, he wanted the children of God, including the children that would come into faith through Christ to understand that this system of blessing is not exclusive to those who please God by their works. It's to those who would simply live the way he's called us to live. Live according to the, to, the, to the commands and the principles and the ideals. Find your disciplines, live into that light. And you will begin to experience the blessed life that he has for you. But we, we can't, see? We can't when we're stuck in the comparison trap because we falsely then measure our current blessing. We falsely measure where we are. And there's something you can do about it. I just want you to know. There's, a, there's like a, what's the thing called when you uh, jump off a car, like those jump boxes, you know? I got a key for you. I got, I got a way for you to jumpstart this thing like just totally get you started. It's the key to freedom. It's the key to stewardship. It's the key to blessing. And that is generosity. It is the key to start the path for you to begin to enter into and to begin to experience just how blessed you really are and the blessing that God wants to give you. But sometimes we have to take a step first See, listen, I know, I know what it's like 
because of the sowing and the reaping and the system that's there, I know that sometimes, again, because we're stuck in this comparison, we're stuck looking to our left and our right, and we don't give because God has not given enough to us yet. And we want him to go first. Okay, God, man, if you'll just let me win the lottery, oh, I'd give like crazy, right? <laughs> and we've all had that internal conversation. Lord, if you just pick the six, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll give. Here's the problem. You want God to go first. But let me just tell you something. You were born here. You live here. You all have employment here. Guess what? He already went first. You are blessed beyond you could possibly imagine in comparison to the rest of this world. Oh, he went first. Trust me. It's your turn. It's our response. Sometimes, and I've said this before, sometimes you just got to write a check that hurts. Okay? And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to trick you. You don't even have to write the check to journey. You could go find another organization that lines up with you. That's fine. But sometimes, in order to jumpstart this thing in your life, in order to basically say, you know what? Money will not be my master. I will not allow the comparison trap to keep me a slave to this for my life. I'm going to write a check. It's going to hurt. I don't even know if I have enough money to fill it. And I'm going to prove and respond in such a way because I have been so blessed by God that I need him to be the first thing that I seek. That's why when I told you in week one, that's why I told you freedom, right? Freedom comes from the God first life, the seeking God first life. It's why, it's why the system that he gave was giving first, saving second, not saving to hoard, not saving because of the comparison trap, saving because you don't know the opportunities you'll have in the future to give. This isn't a giving to get, it's a giving to get to give system. And we were doing growth track uh, just yesterday with some of the, the, the fast track, the, the Saturday thing with a lot of our couples here. And uh, Chris was teaching on the, the learning to partner. And, uh, and, and we talked about our a value we have here. And we don't list these on the wall or anything, but there's seven values we have as a church. You can find them on our website. But they're, they're the things we really do believe. And, and, and the, I love the wording. I just, when I saw it yesterday, it just reminded me of this message because the wording that we use for the value of generosity is this. We are generous because we've already been given more than we deserve. The value that we hold in terms of generosity is because we've already been given more than we deserve. But here's again the problem. If you are stuck in this trap, if you, if you cannot find a way to break free and to be generous and to start giving to get you out of the comparison trap, you will never be generous. It doesn't matter how much money God gives you. It doesn't matter how much blessing you receive. You will never be generous. Why? Because you have yet to feel like you've been given what you deserve. And that's, what the, that's where the comparison trap leaves us, in a constant state of discontentment. I haven't been given enough yet, God. I haven't been blessed enough yet. I can't be generous. No, you can't. Matter of fact, it's the key. It's the key to bypass that system and get out of that trap and begin to work towards you living into and experiencing the blessing God has for you. Again, going back to the overall purpose of this series, why does God care more about this? Why does he care so much? Why is he in your business? Why does he care what you do with your money? It's not because he wants something from you. 
because he wants something for you. The overall why is to bless us so that we can bless others. Let's just read this out loud. Why? Why does he care so much? Read it out loud. To bless us, to bless others. One more time. To bless us, to bless others. I'm telling you guys, if, if we could just get this right. Listen, Lake Norman, the Lake Norman area has such incredible potential to impact the kingdom of God with the absolute hope of Jesus Christ through simply what I gave you the stats last week, through simply using and leveraging the resources that we already have. It could make an incredible difference in this world, in this community, starting here. But man, we gotta, we gotta break free. We gotta break free of looking to our left and looking to our right and falsely measuring where our blessing is. Because it has a direct impact on whether or not we're going to be generous. And yet he's called us and told us that, trust me, generosity, if you give, if you give, you will receive. You will kickstart that, that system by simply giving. So you can begin to experience what that enough, that satisfaction, that peace looks like. So you can start experiencing the plenty so you're not, just getting to, you're not just giving to give because you're actually giving so that you can give more. So he can produce a harvest of generosity in us. He does care more. And my heart today for everybody here, everybody that's listening, is that you wouldn't just hear a bunch of scripture and hear you know, a pastor raising his voice at you, but that you would begin to understand that just maybe, just maybe, there is a trap that you're in. And God has a solution for you. That you've been incredibly blessed already. And all he's asking you to do is to live by his way. Step into his principles and ideals for your life so that you can receive something from him that's already promised to you. Already promised. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And I, uh, I am extraordinarily grateful, God, that you know, I continually battle the comparison trap in my own life, that whether it's stuff I see or stuff I experience, that, that there's always that sneaking voice in my mind that wants me to look to my left and look to my right and, and, and wants me to be discontent with where I am. And yet, God, thank you for your spirit to continually just, just uh, remind me and prompt me in my giving and in my generosity in my life to continually understand how blessed I really already am so that I can be generous and more than generous to you. Thank you, God, that I have had the long experience of just being able to have these moments in my life where I've been able to say, regardless of my circumstance, that, God, I have had enough because of your blessing satisfied, peaceful, content. And God, you've never been satisfied with only ever giving me enough, but to give my family plenty to be able to share, plenty to be able to bless others with as well. God, I pray that, I pray that everyone in this room can have that life, can have that experience. God, you've given us the key, which is to begin to start that process, to take the step of generosity. And when we take that step, you will meet us there. We thank you. And we pray all this 
In your very powerful name, Jesus. Amen.